Hello, and welcome to another episode of Blue Marble Podcast. I'm your host, Rev Sharbear. Thanks for tuning in. And here, you know, we're keeping it real. We're sharing personal stories about climate impacts, about climate solutions, and various eco-activist adventures and eco-feminist adventures. And we're just hoping to manifest good energy for each other and for the planet. And today, my special guest is Reverend Laura Gonzalez, spiritual and community healer, writer, podcaster, social justice and religious freedom activist, priestess of the goddess, and minister of Circle Sanctuary. Thank you, Laura, for joining me today. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I was really looking forward to come to Blue Marble and to talk to you because I think you're the only person I know that is as passionate about um, eco-feminist activism as I am. So it's pretty cool to be here chatting with you. Oh, awesome. Yeah, that it's that's sort of a, yeah, that was probably one of the first labels I know that I adopted as a, a young adult and, and I adopted it unabashedly. I was happy to, to, once I understood what it meant, I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> You know, um, I want to start by asking about you, because you've shared publicly that, you know, growing up, you were not invited to worship the sacred feminine. Um, in fact, you've talked about being ostracized for your authentic beliefs and values. Do you want to tell us about that at all? Sure. Um, it's, a, it's a very old story, so I'm going to summarize as quickly as I can. Uh, growing up in Mexico City, with this ability to see things and to dream things and to have uh, precognitive abilities and other psychic abilities. And growing up in Mexico means you grow up Catholic, you know, cause they don't ask you, they don't tell you, it's just, that's, that's why you are. And I used to be a very devout Catholic and I was going to church and I was I, I'm the only person I know that I went to do my first communion on my own. Nobody took me. I really wanted to be close to the divine. And right after my first communion, I started asking, you know, the 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 people in the church, the members and the clergy, you know, why do I have this precognitive abilities? Why do I see things? Why do I hear things, et cetera, et cetera. And the answer that I got, Charlotte, was, oh, because you're a woman and you're evil and uh, women are demonic and you're the devil. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've been called the devil several times. And uh, yeah, so I, at that moment, when I, at 14 years old, I wasn't sure what was going on, but I knew that was not a place where I was welcome especially because I spoke openly about my my abilities and my beliefs. You know, I believe in the power of the mind. I believe in the power of, now they call it, now they, they call it manifesting. Everybody talks about manifesting. But when I was growing up, you know, it was the power of the mind. And I was, yeah, made fun of, ostracized, and then called a witch, which actually I adopt and... I was proud to be called a witch, you know, but uh, yeah, it was, I was very much discriminated 
at, at church. And so I left, you know. Yeah, so uh, that's some um, formative experience that certainly didn't allow you to explore and understand your authentic voice, your authentic gifts. I know uh, I'm going to, uh, that's very relatable for me too, because um, in in my culture, the, there weren't women who were spiritual leaders, first of all. I mean, clergy were men up in the pulpit in black robes telling you what you did right and wrong. It was pretty much that. And there wasn't earth-based religion that I had access to, even though in my own Celtic culture, there's a treasure trove of that. But and and the concept of sacred feminine was like just as a deity. Well, are you kidding me? I mean, maybe Mary. Mary was cool. Saint Bridget, but they're all like saints, you know. And so there was no when I was having like like you're mentioning when I was having um, early astral projection experiences or um, um, sensing entities and places. There there was no way to contextualize this. I, there was no training for it. There was no understanding of it. And certainly, if I went to anybody who was a spiritual leader for me, I would have been um, probably some similar things would have been said to me as well. So yeah, it's like a breakout a breakout era when we started to acknowledge the sacred feminine and you know the thing is my mom was what i will call now a natural witch right uh my mom didn't have to she just needed to will something perhaps light light a candle and then you know she will she will have it and my dad was a new ager when being new ager was new you know 60s 50s 60s 70s so they they really foster my abilities, you know, they really like, instead of being scared or being weirded out, they, they would ask me, you know, how do you see the thing? And what did you see? And what did they say? And they will, it was natural. So in my tiny little world, it was natural to have disabilities. And I did have the language, you know, I knew about ESP and about astral protection and about energy points and about healing with hand. I mean, I learned healing with hands when I was nine years old, you know. So all of those things to me that were part of my natural world. And I knew there was a divine. And it's so funny because my family were not religious, but I was. So I wanted the religion in my life. And I remember praying always uh, the Holy Father and then... Um, the one for the Virgin Mary. I don't know how you call it in English, you know, um, the, the, the prayer for the Virgin Mary. And I will pray three for him and three for her. And I will do that every night. But I wanted to go to church and I wanted to be part of that community. And, and then it didn't happen. And then I remember some years later, uh, one of my friends have her quinceanera party. And you know, usually you go to church. Um, because like all this celebration is is rooted on all this misogynistic you're of age so now you can get married so it's kind of like putting it out into society like oh now she can get married you know she's she's ripe and ready you can be a reproducer <laughs> yeah yeah you can be a breeder now and I knew my friend and I knew her to be a bundle of joy and a very innocent person and the preach that was preaching about her now being a woman um he was talking about all this sin and all this 
horrible things that teenagers do. And I knew for a fact that that was not my friend. And I was so angry. I It took everything out of me not to get up and, and scream, you know. But right after the um, service was done, I pulled my friend aside. And I was a little older than she was. And I told her, you know, that's not truth, right? You know, that's not you. And everything he say does not apply to you. And she knew me too well. And she's like, I know, Laura, I know, I know. I said, no, but I'm, I'm, I need you to know that you are okay the way you are. You know, me preaching the feminine divine without having the language or the knowledge that that's what I was doing. Because I couldn't believe that he had put all those concepts on her at 15 years old. You know, I was disgusted. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of women breaking into spiritual leadership, overcoming a lot of shame based messaging, oh, yeah. uh, or or just it was just such an incredible and, and novel thing um, for a lot of people. And and I'm I'm thinking about some of the mentors that we've had, including Selena Fox, who is of that generation, where um, and Margaret Atwood, and you know Starhawk, and these people who are like putting it front and center, saying. Um, this isn't a, an edgy thing. This is a legacy. This is a strong legacy. You you are a woman of many talents, interests, and abilities. So, and you perform many roles within Circle Sanctuary and beyond. And I'm just wondering, how do you want to describe your work for our listening audience who may not know you? What is your work today? Oh my goodness! How many times do we have? <laughs> I do a lot of things. So the people who are going to listen to this podcast probably know I'm related to Circle via the podcast, right? I am the little, um, the little nagging child that keep pulling at Selena's dress going, are we doing the podcast? Are we doing the podcast? Are we doing the podcast? And so she said, yes. Well, Circle Century said yes. And so we started CSMP, the Circle Century Network podcast. We are going into our fourth year, I think, uh, or fifth year. I, I don't even know anymore. Um, and so I do the podcast. I'm the manager of the station. It's going to be a year. Uh, as this show airs, I'm a couple of weeks shy of being a year. Uh, uh, as a manager of the station and I produce my own Lunatic Mondays and I produce the other one that is bilingual on Spanish and Portuguese called Paganos del Mundo where we have a team of six five to six people throughout the world that speak Spanish and Portuguese so that's my podcast side of things I'm also a minister at Circle Sanctuary and my ministry is mainly online so I assist with uh, the CSMP, the production, the promotion. I assist with um, the full moon ceremonies online. Um, I fill in wherever they want me to. And I help sometimes with social media as well. And those are like my circle duties. But I'm also a priestess of the goddess. So I do a lot of work on that realm, um, helping women help themselves as a healer, as a mentor, as a minister, as a priestess, and as a teacher. I teach a lot. A lot of people don't know this about me, that I teach a lot privately and publicly. So constantly I have 
apprentices that are, are either learning a witchcraft or the goddess tradition, or they are learning um, tarot, right? Or they are increasing their psychic abilities or healing abilities. Um, and I teach, I do that online mostly, but I also do it in person. And I'm a tarot reader by trade, a healer. I am a Reiki master teacher. I'm also a Safe Talk certified person because I have lost uh, family members to suicide. So I decided to um, learn more about suicide prevention. And I've been an advocate uh, for suicide prevention for the last 12 years. And I'm also a death doula specializing in bereavement. I don't accompany those who pass, but I like to accompany those who remain after the person passes. And um, I'm very passionate about that kind of work as well, you know. Um, but I think my vocation is education. I'm 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 happier when I'm a teacher. I love being a minister. I love being a priestess. I mean, priestess of the goddess is my most important title, I guess. Um, but teaching is, that's where you can see me the happiest is when I'm teaching. And um, I finally found a way to like make it a job. So I'm doing uh, online classes and private classes and all of that. Um, but yeah, my most important goal, I think, is to help women help women and help themselves, you know, to find the tools, to find their power, to find their center and to activate that power and then to help themselves and help others around them because we need women to be reconnected with that power, you know, and, and all women because women here in the United States have the illusion that they have a lot of power and a lot of freedom. And that's not true. Unfortunately, it's not true. You know, we're still subjugated by the power of patriarchy. Well, and, and that's kind of being threatened these days as we're speaking here in October 2023. Um, looking at the political environment, there's a lot of pushback against women's empowerment. And so, yeah, your work empowering women, um, that's something near and dear to my heart as well. And Within that, I know that you also identify strongly as an indigenous woman. And if you could explain then, you kind of did, but if you if you want to say anything more about what is your heritage exactly and how does it inform your work today with other women? Yeah, I'm Mexican from Mexico. I was born in Mexico City and I grew up there and I came to the United States at 25 years old. So like many Mexicans from central Mexico, I'm one of those people who is de-tribalized. That is one of the uh, ugliest consequences of colonization. Uh, that when the colonizers came to Mexico, they pillaged, they killed, they raped, they murdered, they did all the horrible things they did. And they destroyed um, records so part of it, records were destroyed. Part of it, it records were, keep, were kept orally. We come from a very strong oral tradition. So a lot of the knowledge, you know, when you kill the people with the knowledge, the knowledge just dies with them. 
So I don't know exactly which tribe I'm from, but I know that my mom was from Central Mexico and her family too. And my dad was from the Gulf of Mexico. What I practice, like many of us who are reconnecting and keeping alive our customs, are what is called Mesoamerican traditions or the Nahua traditions. And those are rooted on knowledge that comes from the central part of Mexico, what was called the Mesoamerican area, you know, uh, Mexico, Tenochtitlan, um, and um, the areas that are kind of like from the center in South of Mexico, all the way to almost um, Guatemala and the Gulf of Mexico. And is the Toltec tradition, the Nahuatl tradition, you know, and I'm part of a Calpuli here in Chicago. And not only we are learning and connected with people in central Mexico, but we are also learning and open to experiment and to intuitively try to comprehend and remember what our ancestors did. So we are looking at the past and we are creating the present and hopefully uh, also creating a legacy for the future. So I'm learning Nahuatl. The, the language, I'm learning some um, cantos, some chants. And I do wish I had your voice because you are amazingly good at singing and chanting. Uh, that That is just me giving you a compliment because you, your singing is just very moving and beautiful. You're kind, thank you. But uh, but I'm finding my own, you know, so I'm I'm getting to chant and I'm and I'm learning the language of our people, which is like, whoa, you know, making sure that you're doing it right, because we're going to pass it to the next generation. And I'm already working with youth. I had the opportunity this past summer to be at one of the um, youth retreats and we were talking precisely about women and the earth and and basically i talked to him about goddess and ecofeminism without saying those words and it was a great experience charlotte because one of these young people at the retreat said to me i cannot believe that the most that the most important person in my life exists in this planet treated as a second class person and this was a very young person who said that to me. They were like 13 years old. So my job is done. <laughs> you know, I I have already touched the youth. So, you know, putting that on into mm -hmm. minds to, to comprehend the state. Yeah, that's that's refreshing because I've had a lot of conversations with younger women, many of whom have said, feminism, ah, that's so, you know, 1980s, who needs that anymore? And I've had to explain, you know, it's like, well, first of all, women's rights are not universal. There are plenty of places in the world where women are living under appalling oppression and don't have the kinds of rights you and I have, even to have these kinds of conversations openly. And, and secondly, that feminism was not about bashing those who identify as men. It's about anti-patriarchy and how patriarchy oppresses women, men, everybody in between, you know, and and it's trying to liberate people from patriarchy. And so uh, just those, the, you know, trying to reach younger people who've grown up without some of the necessary, the women's rights battles that maybe you and I have seen, 
you know, in our time, <laughs> it's a different, it's coming from a different place. And I'm thinking, you know, um, you really uh, talk an awful lot. I mean, you do, a, you do a lot of podcasts and you do a lot of live presentations. I've seen some and you're, you're a very powerful speaker and I've seen you really coming into your voice too. And you do a lot of rituals. You do a lot of sharing of, you know, the wisdom of indigenous traditions of sustainability. And I know you said you've been learning those and trying to bring those forward. So maybe tell us about some of those traditions. Well, I I grew up in Mexico. And the thing with our culture is that it's so intertwined with the dancing and the chanting, right? Um, it was our greatest uh, govern, governor, uh, Tatuani poet, Netzawakoyot, who says, in life, if you leave, leave, if only flowers, if only um, dances. Because uh, floricanto, floricanto, so the flower and the singing, it's a metaphor that we utilize for life. You know, in life, you flourish, you bloom, right? And then when you sing and when you dance, you are experiencing the joy of vibration and movement. And the Nahuatl language was never uh, direct. It was always metaphorical, always. Like our people never spoke directly. They will always speak metaphorically and poetically. And so the flower and the, and the chant, the dance, the movement was always utilized as an allegory to living in tune with the earth, you know, and looking at the earth all the time. What is the earth doing right now? What is the earth doing that we need to do in synchronicity with the earth, right? So for example, we just had, a lot of people believe that, oh, we're going into the day of the dead, but that is the Catholic, um, appropriation of the of the holiday that they tried to eradicate and now it got made into this huge day of the dead right that we will have in november but actually our ancestors celebrate the dead and and the earth beginning that process in july and august so i get to celebrate july and august and then on september mid-september to the beginning of october we have another holiday that is called Oshpanisli, that is about sweeping the floor, sweeping the ground. And it is related exactly with fall, right? Because what is the earth doing during fall? We get all this wind that is sweeping the leaves and is sweeping the ground to, to make it clean so that she can go to sleep right and then our next holiday is about the creative forces coming together right and kind of kind of going into this kind of slumber quiet reflective time which is exactly what the earth is doing so like i was telling you i grew up seeing the dance the dancantes the people dancing i grew up hearing about the medicine learning all the remedies and how to rub your skin when this and that happened and 
all the teas and all the other stuff, right? That I learned from mom and you know neighbors and all of that. I don't have a big extended family, but I was the I was a very nosy child that I was always with the neighbors and the friends learning the things that maybe my grandmother couldn't teach me because my grandmother was not around. But my neighbors will teach me, you know, and and I'll learn all kinds of healing and magic. And then since I came to the United States 25 years ago, I've been studying for the whole time, you know, since 2002, I think I started uh, learning here. Uh, not particularly with this couple that I'm right now, but, you know, with other people. And it's all about uh, that connection with the earth. And that's why we have so many deities, and I'm doing air quotes, um, because they're not gods and goddesses, they're forces of nature. And they are different aspects of nature, you know, that come from four pillars, so four energies, so four creation gods, if you will. And then all of those unfold and divide. So when people say, but you have a God for the rain, right? I'm like, eh, we have like a hundred entities for water so i don't know which one you're talking about and really to get to understand every single one of those deities it takes a lifetime they are concepts of nature that we are trying to understand from the um, mystical metaphorical language you know and like right now we had just ended the sweeping right because there are 20 day periods and we're in the middle of when the creative horses congregate and concentrate, going in into this kind of slumber. So we're trying to exist in sync with the earth. And we sing to her and we dance. And then we say when we dance, that we're, when we dance is like a prayer. Is we're, we're offering that energy when we, burn the smoke is we're offering a prayer when we're singing we're offering a prayer right to continue being in sync with with the earth and and all living entities on the planet so it's beautiful very it, similar it, very similar to to paganism that's why they can coexist within my existence you know yeah, no, it's really beautiful. What I, what I love is when you said it, the key, being in sync with the earth. When I think about earth wisdom and all of the traditions all over the world prior to any colonialization by any culture in the so-called modern world that we have that really tried to eradicate all of these different traditions that were earth-based, it's like earth wisdom is about really being an ally with the earth, being in sync with the earth, learning from the earth. The earth is your teacher. The earth is sacred. You know, we're not trying to manipulate or manage the earth or uh, we're, we're really living with the earth. And, and I love that. I really love that. Thank you. Um, so, and I'm also thinking to speak, you know, so many eco warriors today on the front lines and for decades, especially standing up against these powerful extractive industries of one form or another, you know, um, petrochemicals, plastic, fossil fuels, you know, um, uh, all kinds of polluting uh, pharmaceuticals, you know, they are on the front lines. They're indigenous people. They're indigenous people in their home territories. And so many people who are transforming their local economies 
and their local communities are Indigenous women. They're really leading the pack, too, when it comes to climate change. And I'm wondering, do you have role models or heroes that you look to who are fighting for the earth? Wow. I'm so happy that you asked me if I have a role model because that took me into a rabbit hole. Because my first role model that came to mind was my mother. And I don't think that ever in my 50 years of existence, I have actually said out loud, my mom was my role model. So thank you for asking me that question. Uh, My mother was a warrior. She was definitely a woman ahead of her time. Hmm. And and I'm going to digress for a second. Because when you were telling the story about modern women, um, saying, oh, feminism is, you know, a thing of the past. I, I would recommend you, Charlotte, that you struck, uh, poke their ego a little bit and tell them that abortion and reproductive rights in Mexico are more freeing than here in the United States. That will that will bring right. in feminism very quickly. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it will poke their ego. And sometimes you have to use anything that you have around you to bring more allies to, to the feminist uh, uh, war it's a word that we have been fighting for our whole life it and is as such uh we the the women have been fighting for it so my mother was one of the very first women in mexico who started using um control birth control and of course she was ostracized and she was demonized and and you know um she was not perfect because nobody is but my mother taught us uh about birth control and about uh conservation and about the ludicrous ideas of religion organized religion that you should bring to the world as many as you can and she used to say like no 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 uh take your pill you know, and four women on my family, you know, four sisters. And some of us were not in need of the pill. And she will give us a pill. <laughs> you know, she's like prevention, you know, because I don't want you to to bring more children into the world, more, wow. especially unwanted children, you know. So think about it. My mom was on the pill 60, 70 years ago, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like mm-hmm. a pioneer. Mm-hmm. Uh, with everything that entails being a pioneer for, you know, conscious reproduction. So she and, and, from- and she was public about that. People knew that about oh, her because yeah. that, that was really countercultural in the context she was in. I mean, my mom was going door to door with the nurse telling other women to get on the pill. Wow. Yeah. So. Among other things that she, I mean, uh, a, a family with a single parent, my mom was a single, a single mom and took care of five of us. And, you know, she had to do a million things to survive and to raise us. And um, she didn't go to school, but she had a huge library and she would tell us all the time, read, 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 read. Don't believe what people tell you, read, educate yourself. 
And so, you know, there's so many things that I admire about her. And yeah, when yeah. you ask me about a hero, I cannot believe that's the first thing that popped to my head. Um, but I also admire a great deal of feminist women, right? Um, I admire Maria Jimbutas, who to this day is being, you know, like, oh, no, she was she was not on her meds and. You know, she was making this up. And why? Because she's a woman, you know, but she knew what she was talking about. And she knew about this figures and about the music and the European culture of the goddess. And she's still being discredited to this day. Mm -hmm. People talk about the goddess, but they don't want to talk about Maria Jimbutas because, mm. you know, she was off her meds or whatever. Um, mm. Or Steinem obviously mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, i wish that gloria will come out and say yes i'm a witch but you know we're about <laughs> to happen in our lifetime uh, a lot of people are worried about um what's the singer um oh i forget uh, from fleetwood mac stevie nicks yes. how yes. did i know that yeah yeah uh, <laughs> most people are like oh stevie nicks stevie nicks i'm like no the one that i want to come out of the closet is gloria Steinem. <laughs> uh, obviously um Dr. Jean Shinoda Bolin, who I had the honor to interview, and then the highest honor to meet at Parliament of the World Religions not too long ago. Mm. Um, I admire any and all the women who are out there saying no mm -hmm. and fighting for everybody's rights. Mm. And I admire all the heroes who shave your legs don't shave your legs burn your bra don't burn your bra have kids don't have kids because the point is not that we all have facial hair and burn the bras the point is that we have the right to do it mm -hmm. and and when you invited me to the show we have a brief conversation and i was telling you the state of the earth is such because patriarchal religions have made us believe that she is a female entity that is there to serve us and they made it so to fit the narrative of the religion that says we are superior to others and so we should eat hunt cut burn etc so take trap torture trash extract exploit whatever it's there for us to use yeah yeah so i admire my heroes are all the people men and women who say no who put their foot down who said my body my choice who said i don't want a child i want to have a medical abortion or who said i want to get married or i want to practice my religion and cover my head because that's my choice. You know, I, I mm -hmm. really admire women that speak their mind. Yeah, that's and um, <laughs> beautiful, thank you. And I mean, there's so much about women's rights that continues, um, rights for women not to live under like really bad oppression. That's kind of criminal. It's just criminal oppression. And then there's like you're talking about um, the being able to be authentic, whatever that means. Um, and, and being able to be empowered. 
not only to make choices for yourself, but to affect your community, to have positive outcome for the world, to have your voice respected and, and you know, to have authority. I mean, all these kinds of things that I'm, I'm thinking back on how, and, and I'm 62 at the time of this podcast, it's like, even in my lifetime, you know, the way advertising and messaging about women when I was a kid is so different than now. It's like crazy. But I'm wondering, as as you see the work of women and the earth, um, what is the biggest area of, I'm going to say crisis, you, you said this is a war, what is the biggest battle you think we've got right now, if you can identify an area that you feel like, wow, this is really a big fight that's key? Oh my God, there's so many things. Um, I um, I think unifying women, the unification of women, you know, um, the understanding that we're not a monolith, like women, you know, there's no one icon of women, that we are so incredibly diverse, you know, um, to break down those stereotypes of, Oh, let's gonna let, let's go sing Kumbaya because we all worship the earth and we are all the same. Now we're not. We're different. We're different, you know. Some of us are brown, some of us are black, some of us are trans, some of us are older, some of us are younger. Let's come together and work together, but let's not forget our diversity. See, even now, I was going to say our differences, but when you when you put it that way, people reject the idea. Oh, different. But but when you recognize that there is is diversity, because we are part of nature, Charlotte, we have forgotten that we are part of nature. We're animals. We get dressed. We're the only animals that would get dressed well in dogs, uh, because we dress them. But, um, but we're part of biodiversity. We're part of biodiversity. Stripes, speckles, fur, fins. Yeah. 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 And some of us are big and some of us are small and some of, you know, all of that. Yep. So I think if the so-called minorities, which is the stupidest illusion on the planet, because we are not a minority. We are just not. When we are... 30% of the population of a country as huge as the United States saying that we are a minority is idiocy. But I digress. When the so-called minorities and the then majorities, right, come together and recognize our diversity and then truly help us support each other. But truly helping us supporting each other you know um i think that is our most urgent and of course take care of girls and boys but let's put women first for once you know let's put little girls first for once you know because if we don't save the girls and teach the girls their value and then teach the boys their value and teach them how to interact. Uh, we're we're not doing much, you know. So, but we have to do that at a unison. Whether you're black or brown or Asian or white or whatever, Middle Eastern or whatever, you know, 
to to truly support each other. And we don't have to think the same way. We don't have to act the same way. We just have to pull towards the same side, you know, which is against patriarchy. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm there's a hundred thoughts going through my mind as I'm hearing you speak. I'm thinking that's the thing about patriarchy patriarchy is it kind of makes women uh, pit themselves against each other because they're in some sort of competition to be like attractive to men for you know, to be a prized possession, to be a prized breeder of status within this because you don't have your own. And so women women are, you know, have been stereotyped as being kind of catty and subversive and passive aggressive with each other well like let's drop that shit really i mean being able to be truthful and straight with each other and celebrating our diversity that's a big deal for the feminist movement which started out being largely identified as white college educated women like gloria steinem stepping out there and then it has become more and more diversified I really enjoyed the climate movement, the people's climate movement growing over the last decade, especially because the diversity coming through that, the intersectionality coming through that is like nothing I've seen before. It's amazing. Um, I'm going to pivot just a minute and say, tell us about the goddess and feminist magic in particular. Wow. The goddess is everything. She's everything. She's everything for everyone. And there are no asterisks that say uh, restrictions apply. You know, the goddess is there for everyone. And one of the stories that I like the most about the goddess, the, the mythological, you know, the genesis, the, the beginning, is that there was nothing, nothing existed. There was there was nothing, there was emptiness. And then she decided to manifest herself, you know, boom, the Big Bang, boom. And then from that boom, that keeps going and going and going and, and it will never end, right? She's just expanding herself. And then she creates you know, her counterpart, and then they together create everything that exists. And if you like that piece of mythology, then everything that exists is part of her. So everything that exists, you and I and your glasses and my sweater and this computer and this Diet Coke on my table and also the fingernails that I'm picking on and Everything is infused with goddess. Ergo, nothing is not sacred. Nothing is not divine. Now let's not get confused and say, I'm the goddess. We are goddess-like because we are part of her. We are made of the thing that she made. And when you see the world in that way, which I choose to see the world through that lens, because you don't need to come and tell me I made you in my likeness. Because I know I don't need to be on her likeness because I'm part of her and she's part of me. So everything is sacred, even the people I don't like because they annoy me. Or the people that don't like me 
and have been racist or ostracized me or evil towards me. Even those people are divine. And when you see life through that lens, there is no bad things or negative that have no reason. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not saying um, if something horrible happens to you, oh yeah, it happened to you because God is one of that way and then you were attacked. No, that is um, that is violence, uh, spiritual violence applied. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is even when a project that I started and I was very um, proud of doing crash, I might feel defeated and I might feel like, damn, my project is not good. But then something happens, <laughs> which is better, brighter, grander, you know. And I totally, absolutely, 100% believe that that is goddess. That is, you know, she took that out of my way. So I could do the other thing that is more important, you know. And and with that said, I think she wants us all to be happy and to live to our fullest potential. And I don't think that goddess wants in any way, shape, or form that a woman or a person of any gender feels less than. Because I don't think that the marigold feels less than the rose. And I don't feel like the rose feels less than the tulip. And I don't think the tulip feels better than a morning glory. I mean, a morning glory, you know. And I don't think a morning glory has anything to ask uh, Kala Lily, you know. Each individual flower has its scent it's called to feed different creatures and some of them give us fruits and food and yeah you know, so everything that exists has to exist and everything that exists has goddess goddess juice in it <laughs> yeah. goddess juice but what I, what I love about what you're saying is there's not a ranking system like like um if, if we are not apart from nature with God outside the creation in some so way are, and human beings are like at the pinnacle and the, everything is ranked below that this worldview you're talking about goddess centered worldview is that we are a part an integral part of nature. And she is all of nature and the world. And none of us within that have a sense of who is better than anybody else. It's like, we're all interconnected. We're all necessary. We all need each other to cooperate for sustainability. Absolutely. We all have a purpose, a role. I mean, that's that's so important to the work of eco-activism. And to me, I think, I think what you're describing there is the heart of eco-feminism. Yep. Um, so yeah, I'm wondering- There, is, there is no such a thing, sorry. There is no such thing as espicism or otherism. Um, and we don't even, I don't even see the goddesses above us, you know, like she's within us. And so one of the, one of the, uh, 
primordial teachings of ecofeminism is not power over power with. Power I with, am yeah. more powerful. I am 10 times more powerful with you together talking about this topic than if I'm just yelling at the nothingness in my room, right? So because when I talk to you, I might annoy you or inspire you, <laughs> you know, and then that that works. That wakes up something on you. And then you're going to take that message out to elsewhere. That's why we need to stop playing the patriarchal game to be pitted against each other. And we need to come and witness each other and listen to each other. And then listen to our kin of other species. And this earth is screaming mm -hmm. for help, mm -hmm. for us mm -hmm. to stop mindlessly reproducing. Now, I'm not saying I'm against children. I'm not saying I don't like kids. I mean, I just said earlier, we yeah. have to teach them. I chose not to have any. Right. I'm completely content with that decision. I'm the happiest. You know, yeah. but if I have, you know, I have my grandson and I love to see and I try to teach him and I try to tell him, you know, this and that and the other, especially because he's a boy. Mm -hmm. But sharing responsibility, sharing responsibility, but not mindlessly just consuming on exactly. this planet, sharing responsibility. And I, I um transitioned to the vegan lifestyle not too long ago you know mm -hmm. three years and i have had moments of guilt mm. you know or when i eat a bread and i know the bread is going to have like a little butter or maybe it's going to have a mm. little mm. You know, cheese or whatever but then i'm like but all the things that i'm not doing anymore mm -hmm. you know, like i don't get to kill a chicken every day uh -huh. I don't get to uh -huh. kill a cow every day anymore. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. it's not about what we've done in the past. Uh -huh. We can still recuperate. And there's a wonderful app that tells you how many animals you've saved <laughs> after so many days of being vegan. It's wonderful, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I appreciate this because when we talk about so, so often... Um, whether it's about sustainability or choices we make to protect the planet or choices women make to empower women, you know, you'll get people who want um, to, to bash it because you're not a hundred percent purist. And it's like, it's, it's a, it's a practice like any spiritual practice you're growing in a practice and you don't have to be a hundred percent purist in order to be practicing how to live res responsibly, respectfully on the planet and with other people. Yeah. And on that, exactly on that vine, um, I was recently talking to somebody about how privileged I am to live in Chicago, right? Where food and, and, and all these um, substitutes for meat are made, you know, to the highest yep. quality. Yep. Because if I were in Alaska... I wouldn't be vegan because when a lettuce in Alaska is $30, I don't think I could do it. So the people in Alaska had to eat what they have to eat because that's what the earth shares with them over there. 
they don't have the amount of privilege that I have to eat my soy chorizo with my just egg every morning, you know. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And and who am I to go as a vegan, as a conservationist, as a feminist, eco-feminist, as a nature-based spiritual person? Like my business is me, what I do. Uh -huh. My business is not what the other person does. To me, that is the key of feminism. So if I know a feminist in Alaska and she comes here with her uh, beef jerky, uh, that's none of my business because that's what they can eat over there. You know, so like I always say, Charlotte, you do you, boo. <laughs> I know I've heard you say that a lot. When you think of um when you think of ecofeminism, sort of sort of as a wrap-up here, when you when you think of ecofeminism today, because I know in your lifetime and mine over the decades, it changes a little bit as we go along. But when you think of ecofeminism as a movement today, generational legacy, all that, what's what's your you kind of said it, but I want to give you a, a chance to add anything else to to what is your vision of what that looks like today? Again, you reminded me of something I did many, many years ago. I was teaching this workshop a long ago called um, Paganism, Activism, and Cynicism. Mm, mm. And um, when we think activism, oftentimes we think about the people on the front lines carrying the, the signs and having the screaming match with the perpetrators, right? And I learned that that is about 20% of the activists. That's direct action up front, but yeah. yeah. But there is another 75 to 80% of activists that are not on the front lines. Uh -huh. So in this day and age where we all have our little computers in our hands uh -huh. and we can share vetted, true information um, you know more about all these websites and all these places where the information is true and uh, true and tried, tried and true. Um, and we can lift the voice. I mean, it's as simple as taking your contraceptive pill and as complicated as going to the front lines and protesting against the the water pollution right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't there is no one way to be activist that's what i'm trying to say in this day and age there are so many different ways to be an activist so don't let the word scare you you know just like feminists don't let the word scare you oh no i i am a humanist i'm for people's rights and i'm for no 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 honey let's call it what it is we need to be feminists and we need to be activists but there are so many different ways of being that so don't let the words the words make you shy away from activating and it starts within yourself i like that be, a, be an activist at home 
start by being an activist at home. If you're going to share information, bet the information. If you're going to recycle, recycle. If you, you know, do what you can because not all of us are body able, financially able, mm -hmm. even politically able mm. to move about the world and go to the front line and protest. You know, I would love mm -hmm. to be front line screaming at the cops mm -hmm. or whoever mm -hmm. it's. Mm -hmm. not particular cops you know whoever is perpetrating the earth mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. i'm nobody able you know so mm -hmm. i will be a bird i will be a risk so i'd rather be here doing what i do best which is talking you know but, and, and inspiring people which you do and i think you raise a really good point which is do what you do well do what you love to do but you said the word activate that's the root of activist and so i know when i think eco-feminist i'm wondering if you think it would be fair to say that eco-feminism a lot of it today is about trying to uh overcome and counteract what has been patriarchal colonialism absolutely whether it was political colonialism, religious or economic, it's like pushing back again. But you can't just push back. You've got to have an alternative. <laughs> it's like forwarding a solution that's different yeah. from that. Yeah. And, and remembering that patriarchy and capitalism are lovers. And those two male entities love each other and love to reproduce and they are so homophobic i hope they stop when they hear me but you know um, yeah it's ironic isn't it <laughs> it's ironic yeah but but patriarchy and capitalism are the root so how do we we are not going to just hate on it like you say we're going to find alternatives right so for example here comes this shameless self-promotion. Um, circular economy, right? You you have heard me say this a million times, especially on this time of the year. Buy your day of the dead art from Mexican artisans. You know, don't go to the big box store to buy from the big company that created that doll with the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm from yeah. a Mexican artisan that is going to make you a traditional Mexican Day of the Dead skull, doll, whatever. Yeah. Circular economy, you know, support women that support mm -hmm. women. Mm -hmm. Like, if you like what I say, support me. You know, but hire me for your job, donate your money to me, spend, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, think locally. This I learned from Selena Fox. Think, think locally <laughs> and act globally, you know, right. it starts with, with self. And, and that's exactly what women are doing all over the planet in frontline communities, communities at risk and privileged communities is transforming their communities. One household at a time, a person at a time, a neighborhood at a time, a city council at a time, a business at a time. Yeah. And we can all activate that. So we have to wrap up, but if people want to subscribe, you just said support, 
So I'm going to help Laura promote herself here. I, I want to promote her here. If you would like to hear more from her, Laura, how can they subscribe to you? Where can they reach you outside of this? The main place where you can reach me is uh, at this point, Instagram. So in Instagram, I'm Magia Serati. That is M-A-J-I-A-C-E-R-A-T-I. Magia Serati. You will see my face there. And once once you reach me there, uh, follow my link tree, and you'll see all my uh, classes on demand, presentations, where I'm going to be speaking, uh, podcasts. Everything is listed on my link tree. Or if you and obviously you follow me on Instagram, and then you'll see all the events where I'm going to be presenting, talking. Uh, specials that I have like for um, tarot readings or energy cleansings or that kind of stuff uh, women's circles women's circles women's circles that are going to be held online every last Sunday of the month and I'm offering those Charlotte on a sliding scale because it's really important for me that all the women that want to be part of the women's circles can come so you can pay thirteen. I'm gonna look for those. <laughs> yeah. You can pay thirteen dollars if you need to. You can pay twenty if you can, or you can pay twenty six if you feel very generous. Mm -hmm. And all of that you can find on my link tree. So you go to linktr.ee/magiaserati. So I'm gonna spell it all: l-i-n-k-t-r dot E E slash M A G I A C E R A T I. You know how hard it is to spell for a person who English is their second language. Well, you did that well. You did that well. <laughs> yeah, so, All right. So that's I, where you can find me, and and I'm always, you know, selling my tarot readings online and classes online and all that kind of stuff. So you know, thank you so much, Charlotte, for lending the platform for that. I I uh, want to thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. This is a, a, I really enjoyed this conversation a lot and I know the work continues and it's uh, my pleasure to be a sister in the work with you. So power on. Um, and I want to thank our audience for uh, listening. Um, this wraps up this installment of Blue Marble Podcast. And if you value what you heard here today, please share this information with others. Um, new Blue Marble Podcasts air live on the third Friday of every month, but you know they're available for listening anytime thereafter through our channel on Blog Talk Radio. And you heard Laura Gonzalez is the manager of that um, station. So go to www.blogtalkradio.com slash CSNP. You can search for Blue Marble with Rev Shar Bear. You'll find the archive of these podcasts there. Click on any you want to hear or download for later listening. And I'm telling you, you can also follow our podcasts on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash CSN podcasts. Because, I mean, really, you can find a complete archive. There are like a thousand programs by all of our excellent podcasters, Laura included, on the Circle Sanctuary website. And that website is always www.circlesanctuary.org. 
just look under the CSNP tab. So until next time, this is Char Bear signing off. Thank you for all the good you do. Stay true and blue. And hey, I hope to see you in the green space.